0: Mazel tov to all of us for completing this auspicious accomplishment of preparing for the Rebbe's birthday by learning from the Rebbe's Torah and specifically learning from the igris, which is a very special kind of limud. We've spoken about it. Those who have been tuning in throughout the past 30 days know that we've spoken about many times about some of the unique features of the Igris. And uh, I won't review all of that. These classes are, are on archive, and you can watch them, rewatch them, you can go back. But uh, I'll just say one point, which is, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again tonight, Everything that the Rebbe taught has practical application Everything even the deepest spiritual concept in a mimer that's talking about layers or levels of of, of Pre-creation of Seidrish Daushless before worlds exist even that has some type of practical application for our lives if you're willing to Think about it and, and work at it But when you learn the Igris where the Rebbe writing to a real person about a real issue and giving insight, it's so clear and obvious just how practical and real the Rebbe's worldview is. And at the same time, absolutely spiritual and sublime and elevated. And I think in the egress, you see the melding of those two things Something that's eminently practical and at the same time absolutely otherworldly and eternal. And it's just an amazing gift to be able to tap into that. Especially like we've been doing on a regular basis for the past 30 days. Uh, There's a booklet that you should have received. A special souvenir booklet which was printed on this occasion of Yudalf Nissen torshan pay base 120 years and it contains within it in addition to the letter for tonight letter number 30 it contains Mikhtovim klolium how many other five of them there're five yeah maybe you can count in the table of, table of contents and let me i think there are five Mikhtovim klolium yeah how many five yeah so these are general letters in addition to the letters that the Rebbe wrote to individuals, which we've been studying, the Rebbe would also write several times a year, usually in conjunction with an upcoming Yom something called a michtav Klali, which means a, a public letter. And these letters were addressed to all Jewish sons and daughters, wherever they may be. So in this booklet, you have five michtavim Klolim that the Rebbe wrote various different years on Yud Alef Nissen, on the occasion of his birthday. And the Yud Alef Nissen michtav Kloli would always be Pesach themed, for obvious reasons, because of its proximity to Pesach. Before we learn tonight's letter, the 30th letter, I wanted to share with you something from a michtav Kloli, but it's not one of the five that's printed here. So it's a bonus. Now you're going to get six okay. There's a letter, Mikhtav Kloli Yud Alef Nissen, Tav Vov, Vav, 1966. And that year was the hundredth yard site of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe, the grandson of the, the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe. So I'll tell you the general gist of the letter and then I'll tell you how the Rebbe connects it to the Tzamech Tzedek and how I think it connects to a lot of what we've been doing over the past 30 days. So in this letter, the Rebbe talks about the fact that the Korban Pesach, the Passover sacrifice, sacrificial offering. has many rules, detailed rules and laws about how it is to be offered. And one of the details that the Torah includes is that the the sheep or goat has to be roasted with its head, its innards, and its feet together over fire. Head, innards, feet, together over fire. And the Rebbe then proceeds to homiletically explain the symbolism of these three parts of the sacrificial animal's body. He says, as we know, that the sheep was the avedazara, was the, the deity, the false god of the Egyptians, which is one of the reasons why it was chosen as the sacrifice, it was to show a rejection of Egyptian idolatry. And so too, every year when we commemorate and relive Pesach, we are again rejecting all false gods, all powers other than Hashem. But it's not enough to reject these false gods. We have to reject them in a specific way, specific aspects of the false gods, the false powers. And they correspond to the head, the innards, and the feet. What does that mean? It means some people are attracted to foreign ideologies. They find it intellectually compelling, maybe stimulating. Um, And although they may also learn Torah, but they learn other things as well to which they give credence and, and they go looking for the truth in those areas as well. That corresponds to the head. The aspect of foreign service that applies to the mind. Other people, they're, they're not looking for that kind of uh, <laughs> depth, but where is their weakness and what sort of tempts them to go away from Hashem, it's uh, the innards. The innards correspond to sustenance, the digestive tract. That's where you absorb your nutrition. So that means money. Uh, Some people sell out because they uh, enjoy other ideologies and they want to organize their lives according to the values espoused in other ideologies. Those are the people who have a problem with the head. Then their people have a problem with the, with the innards, with the stomach. They sell out in the literal way. They sell out for good old-fashioned uh, money. Cash is king. And they compromise their morals and principles for financial security or the false lure of financial security. And for other people, it's the feet. What do, what do the feet represent? The feet represent standing on top of someone or something. Dominance. Ruling over others, overpowering them. So in order to assert my power and my authority and to have this false feeling that I'm in control, I, uh, I start believing in powers other than Hashem that I think will give me the ability to exert my power over others. So those are different aspects of the lure of idolatry. And the lesson of the Korban Pesach is that we have to sacrifice all of them. We have to sacrifice all of them. And we have to burn them over the same fire. The fire of self-sacrifice, of Mesir nefesh which really means surrendering that which is important to us. Doing what's important to Hashem, not what's important to us. Whether that means intellectually, the head, or financially, the innards, or when it comes to power and relationships and trying to dominate others, the feet. And what we do is we take all of those aspects, head, innards, and feet, and we transform them into tools to serve Hashem so that all of these areas of life instead of not only no longer being idolatrous, they actually become transformed to a form of of worship of Hashem. That means we use our minds to get closer to Hashem's Torah. And our innards, our need to take care of our bodies and to have material possessions and to have a home and to uh, to have a place for our family... To, uh, to gather and to, to spend time together. All of those things can be sanctified. I know this, this is a woman's febrengen. This is especially a pertinent theme when we speak about women as a keres habayas, as the mainstay, mainstay or the foundation of the home, that uh, more than a man, a woman's job is to sanctify the house so that the house is no longer just a house. It's also a home. Jewish home, which means to imbue certain mundane things with sanctity. And uh, and that represents the transformation of the innards of the Korban Pesach. And then there's the feet. The feet also have to be transformed. And that means that our striving for dominance or excellence has to be dedicated purely toward accomplishing holy objectives going out into the world and being proud Jews and standing up for what's right and never shrinking away from a just cause. So all of those aspects that were idolatrous have to be reclaimed, repurposed, and uh, turned into pathways of connection to Hashem. Now that's pretty thorough. That's pretty thorough. That's basically all the different... Aspects of life, and we're supposed to take all of it and put it on the fire of of sacrifice. And it's interesting. A fire. The Rebbe doesn't talk about it in this mitzvah of khalie, but elsewhere he said this. It explains that the effect of a fire is that a fire transforms whatever it touches. It's not like. Uh, you have two physical objects, and they bump into each other, or even maybe they're liquidy, so they they mix with each other. But fire, (laughs) when fire touches something, whatever it touches, whatever it grabs hold of, it consumes, and then what happens to the thing that the fire consumes? It turns that into more fire. So when you have, like, fire and a log, you don't have a mixture of fire and log, You just have more fire. The log becomes fire. And that's the idea of self-sacrifice. The fire of self-sacrifice touches all of the areas of your life and does not allow them to remain separate from Hashem. It turns them into more godly flame, which gives light and warmth. So it's the transformation of all aspects of our lives. That's what it really represents. Now... Here's the part where the Rebbe speaks about the Tzemach Tzedek. The Rebbe says on the occasion, this is I told you Tovshin Chavov, 1966. The Rebbe says on the occasion of the 100th site of the Tzemach Tzedek that it is fitting to reflect upon the fact that the Tzemach Tzedek, as a person, embodied all of these virtues that we're describing, he embodied the perfection of all aspects of a human personality as as symbolized by the whole gamut of head and innards and feet. Whatever a person could do, whatever talent a person could use, Whatever accomplishment or endeavor that a person could be involved in and transform it and turn it into something holy, the Tzaddik did it. You name it, he did it. And, and, and the Rebbe uses a very interesting series of words. If I can remember it correctly, I'll try to convey it to you. The Rebbe says, the Tzaddik was a Tzaddik Gon. I believe I got all of them. I'll just try to translate that. Tzadik. Tzadik means a perfectly righteous individual, like we learn about in Tanya. Someone who's an absolute transparent conduit to God's will, with no blockage, no ego, no EGO, edging God out. It's just letting God flow through. That's the tzaddik. Gon means a genius. The Tzamech Tzaddik was a genius. He was a Talmud Chacham extraordinaire. His breadth, his depth, his knowledge of all areas of Torah, both Nigla and Nister, was unparalleled. So he was a genius. He wasn't just holy. He was brilliant as well. But that's not all. He was also, what was the next one? It was a tzadek, Gon. Chayker. chayker. Yeah, what's a Chayker? Very good. What's a Chayker? Chayker is Moloshin Chakira. Chakira is Jewish philosophy. The Tzaymach not only wrote Chassidus, he wrote Chakira in the style of the, of the classic works of Jewish philosophy like the Kuzari or the Meirah Nevuchim. There's a Sefer from the Tzaymach called Derech HaMuna, which is Chakira. So he was a Chayker, but also right? That was the next one. Mekubal, that means a Kabbalist. The Temeh wrote Kabbalah, and he wrote Biurim uh, and And in his Chassidus is infused references to Kabbalah. But that's not all. He was also a Paisik. What's a Paisik? He was someone who ruled on practical halachic questions. In fact, the name that we refer to him by, the Temeh Tzedek, the Temeh Tzedek is, is the name of his Sefer of... Tshuvas of halachic rulings. So he was not just uh, he was not just an authority in the mystical or spiritual aspect of Torah, but in halacha as well. There's a story that's told: that Divrei Chayim, the Divrei Chaim, the Tzanzarov, was a poysek. He he wrote Chuvas as well. There's there's a series of of uh, books that are rabbinic responsa of the of the Divrei Chaim. In fact. That's why we call him the Chaim, because that's what the Chaim is, the, those, those books. So the Tzanzarov, the Chayim, he he was known to have such a quick mind. He was such a genius that when he would get letters from other rabbis who would turn their difficult questions toward him, he would be reading the next letter while writing the answer to the previous letter. So one time, his sons observed that he was reading one letter. And he was not writing, while he was reading this letter, he wasn't writing an answer to the previous letter. And then when he was writing the answer to that letter, he wasn't looking at the next letter. He just did that one letter. So they noticed the difference. So they asked him, why, you know, Manishtana, why is this different? So he said, I'll tell you why. I normally do two letters at once, and I'm still doing two letters at once. This letter I'm reading right now and responding to is a correspondence I'm having with the Labavitcher Rebbe, which me- meant his contemporary, the Tzamech Tzedek. And when the Tzamech Tzedek and I are corresponding in halacha, on the face of it, it's a halachic discussion, but every single word has to also be appropriate, according to Kabbalah as well. So really, it is two letters. Because <laughs> when I'm writing the Tzamech Tzedek, one letter is two letters. So he was he was the the Mikubel and he was the Paisik. And then of course the last thing, he was a manhig. A manhig means a leader. And what's a leader? The Rebbe says in in this in this letter that he was somebody who dealt with people's day-to-day lives. He wasn't just somebody who coached them in their spiritual growth. He got involved in their material affairs, and he was involved in establishing farming communities and getting Jews involved in agriculture so that they could have a livelihood that would be appropriate for them. And that's a manig. A manig, a leader, is somebody who actually gets involved in people's day-to-day lives. So the Rebbe says, look at the Tzamaq Tzaddik." He had it all. He had every virtue, every talent that a human being could possibly have. Tzadik, Gon, Choyker, Mekubal, Paisik, Manhig. And then what does the Rebbe say? See, the Rebbe could have left it it at that and said, Tzadik's pretty impressive, huh? Right? He could have said that. But that's not where the Rebbe leaves it. The Rebbe pushes it, pushes the envelope. What does the Rebbe say? (laughs) The Rebbe says something nobody was thinking. Nobody was thinking. The Rebbe says, now, who could ever try to emulate that? Rebbe, I wasn't even thinking that. (laughs) I was just impressed that Tzamech Tzedek did it. I wasn't thinking that I should also do it. But then the Rebbe says, now, who among us could ever emulate that? And yet, (laughs) so you see where the Rebbe is going. I just want to pause for a second this Mikhtav Kloli. There's a mimer, my favorite mimer from the Rebbe, which is also a Yud Alef Nissen mimer, but Yemash De the, the mimer about uh, the, the Nasi that's recited on Yud Alef Nissen, which is the Nasi of, of Asher. And over there, the Rebbe is speaking about selflessness. And one of the ways the Rebbe brings out the idea of selflessness, this is based on a Medrash Eicher Rabbah, on a posek from Echa. My soul proclaims that Hashem is my lot. Meaning, I have no other path in life. I have no other destiny. I am, it's like, I'm besheret, or it is besheret that Hashem, that's it. That's, that all, that's all there is for me, Hashem. And uh, that this, is the, this is the cry of every Jewish soul, that I don't want anything else in the world. I just want Hashem. So that's pretty lofty. It's pretty single-minded. It's pretty impressive. But that's, that's what the neshama is saying. Now, that's the neshama. But how many of us experience that on a conscious level—that our only desire is Hashem—and yet the Rebbe tells a story there to back up this point, and says, "You know that once the Alter Rebbe was overheard speaking to Hashem, he was in the middle of a of a state of uh, dvekis, uh, like an." alternate state or a heightened state of consciousness and he was speaking to Hashem it's actually the Tzemach who overheard him and he was saying to Hashem I don't want your paradise, I don't want your world to come I just want you not looking for anything else not even things that you could give me I just want the relationship and that's incredibly lofty and that's beautiful that the Alter Rebbe was on such a level. But if you know your Rebbe, what, what, what is your Rebbe going to do with that story? Do you think your Rebbe will use that story to impress you about the Alter Rebbe and leave it at that? No, I'm asking. No. no. What's the Rebbe going to do with the story? He's going to apply it. And he's going to apply it to whom? You. To you. That's right. So the Rebbe says, isn't this a great story about you? <laughs> <laughs> basically in so many words the Rebbe says that's really that's not just the Al Rebbe that's all of us all of us say and if you're not in tune with it on a conscious level okay so dig deeper but deep down that's you that's all you want you're also holding by the Al Rebbe's level I don't want anything else I just want Hashem total selflessness so <laughs> going back to the Klali of Tafshin, that Rebbe says, the Tamech was the Tzaddik, Gon, Chaikir, Makubal, Poisik, Manhig. And who could aspire to such, I guess you would call it a Renaissance man, somebody who had it all? He had all the. They so said, What do you get for the man who has everything? Penicillin. Okay, that's a joke. Okay. All right. But. <laughs> He has everything. You get it? You get it? You get it? Yeah? yeah? Okay, fine. <laughs> all right. All right. I had to tell one joke. Okay. All right. Now I'm yates to the joke. Sorry. Back to being serious. Anyways, the Tzamech has it all. Who, who could emulate such a thing? And like I was saying before, it's like, yeah, I wasn't thinking of emulating it. I was just impressed with the Tzamech Wasn't that enough? No, it's not enough. So the Rebbe says that the Tzemach Tzedek, being a Rebbe, has the power to give of himself and his qualities into all of us. He can put his qualities into us so that we can be like him. And the Rebbe then describes it with a beautiful, beautiful Marshall, with a with a metaphor which I just think is so stunning, the, the, the visual description and the parable and the, the symbolism. And I'll tell you what it is. The Rebbe says that even a tiny droplet of water, picture a little tiny droplet of water. Somewhere, you know, think like maybe outside, maybe it rained and there's a Blade of grass that has a little drop of water hanging from it, maybe. But picture a droplet of water, tiny little thing. That even a tiny droplet of water can reflect the entirety of the sun, provided two conditions are met that the water is clean. And that it's facing toward the sun. So too the Rebbe says. The Tzamech the Rebbe, is like the sun. But in each one of us, even if we were, were to say we're nothing, we're so tiny, we're so insignificant. Okay, you mean like a little drop of water? Yeah, like a drop. Okay, good. Perfect. Drop of water. In the drop of water can be reflected the light of the sun. Provided two conditions are met. Remember what they were? I said it 30 seconds ago. One, the water is clean. Two, the, the water's facing the sun. So, what does that mean? The water is clean, that means to remove the ego, to remove any obstruction, anything that would get in the way. Of the sunlight of the tzaddik, gon, chaykir, makubal, poisek, manhig, from shining straight at us. We gotta remove any internal blockage. We have to leave our, our silliness at the door. The stuff that seems important to us, but we know it's not authentic. We know it's not genuine. It's not our real selves. It's a false self. It's not a real self. It's a false self. And we've got to let that fall away. I'll tell you <laughs> one of my favorite stories about Yechidus. Bar Hashem, we were in Yechidus earlier tonight. We went into the oil, and that is Yechidus. I don't mean that metaphorically, by the way. I mean that on every single level, including halachically. Everyone knows the story about Rabbi Rabbi Fagelstock from Montreal. After Yud Shvat, after the passing of the Friedrich Rebbe, he asked the Rebbe if he's allowed. He was in town in New York. He was going back to Montreal. He wanted to know if he's allowed to go to the oil, meaning the Friedrich Rebbe's oil, on Chalamoid. And he asked the Rebbe a question if he's allowed to go. And the Rebbe said, if you're asking me, can you visit a Jewish cemetery on Chalamite on the intermediate days of the festival? <laughs> you, know, you know the answer. That's, that's not what we do. We don't do that. But if you're asking me if you can go into Yechidis like you did many times before with my father-in-law, and the only difference is that instead of going into his room in 770, now he simply moved a few blocks away, that's way the Rebbe said it, he's moved a few blocks away, and you're going to the aisle, and that is Yechidus, then of course you can go into Yechidis on Chalamayit. So we were just in Yechidis a couple hours ago, to bring good news to the Rebbe, about our hachonah and our Matona, our, our preparation and present, of learning these 30 letters. And... Uh, We need to remember to be clean and pure and genuine and authentic and true. So I'm going to tell you my favorite one of my favorite yahida stories. One of my, one of my teachers back in yeshiva, he told me when he was uh, a little bar mitzvah Bacher, it was still in the days when a bar mitzvah boy had yahidis that's like that's wild. little thirteen year old's having yahidis, but that's you know he was. Those, those were uh, the days back then. So he was about to go into Yechidus, and he asked his Mashpia, who was Rabbi Shalom, when I go into Yechidus, how should I conduct myself? And Rabbi Yoel said to him, forget it, I'll go instead of you. <laughs> you know the sharp old Russian style, right? So he says, no, I'm just asking, when I go into the Rebbe, how should I conduct myself? So he says again, yeah, yeah, forget it, I'll take your spot. I would like to go in Yechides, I'll, I'll go and study you. The little 13 year olds like, no, I'm just asking, when I go into Yechidis, how do I conduct myself? And finally, Rebbeiel explains, he says, listen to me. Gans elam Hazaz, z'alma za deshikra. That sentence, by the way, has three languages. <laughs> Hebrew, Aramaic, and Yiddish. The entire world, the physical world, is a false world. And what's interesting to me, normally when we say that the physical world is a false world, what we mean is that things are not what they seem. Instead of seeing the Dvar Hashem, which is Mechaye and Mahave, the Nivra, we see the Nivra. I'll say that in English. In this physical world, we see creations instead of Creator, and that's a lie. That's not true. So that's why this world's called a false world. But that's not how Rebiel was explaining it to this little bar mitzvah boy. Actually, he was explaining it, this world's a false world, in context, I mean, he didn't say these words, but I'm elaborating, that this world's a false world, not just because things are not what they seem, but this world's a false world because we are not who we seem, even to ourselves. That we walk around with a false concept of self. A self that we think is real, but it's not really us. We have this eternal neshama that existed long before embodiment and in fact long before the creation of the world. And it comes into the world and all of a sudden the, the body and the animal soul start to cover it up and out of fear and I understand why the, you know, the, the animal soul was given a job of survival and self-preservation so it's only doing what it thinks it needs to do to keep us safe. But it learns all these defense mechanisms and these, and these adaptations in order to, to keep itself feeling safe. And what happens is we lose connection to our authentic self, the neshama, which is saying, and alma de shikra, there's a false world. You can walk around fooling yourself about who you really are. So the says to him, the whole world is a false world. And in this false world, there's one dalad Amish shal Amish. There's one four cubits of truth. One little place of truth. Meaning to say there's one place where you are true, where you are really you. Where you are the real you. And in the place where you are finally the real you, you are asking me to tell you how you should behave. That's why I said, I'll go in for you. I'll go instead of you. So we need to get rid of the blockage, the defense mechanisms and the adaptations that we picked up that we think we need in order to keep ourselves safe. And we have to realize Hashem is keeping us safe and we can return to our our authentic selves. So that's the first thing, that the little droplet of water has to be clean. And the other thing is it has to be pointed toward the sun. What does it mean to point ourselves toward the sun so that we can reflect the sun? Well, one great example is just to plug into something that the Rebbe is teaching and to do it on a regular basis and to allow that to mold our thoughts. And by the way, one way to check in every day, I've mentioned it many times during the 30 days. I've mentioned Hayem Yem. But just learning Hayem Yem every day is a way of facing toward the sun so that you can reflect the sun. Learning Hayem Yem, I say learning because even though it's 30 seconds, but it, it's worthy of study and reflection and contemplation. And it'll change your thinking. You think that the igris... Changed your thinking? Go go study Hayyimim properly. That'll really do brain surgery. Everything that Ebed taught is brain surgery if you learn it properly. But we need to face the sun, and that means to learn the Abba's Torah, and it also means to know the address. This address. We're a block from the aisle right now. So just in case people are watching, where is this? I don't recognize this. I will tell you where we are. Baruch Hashem. We are, we are at a very lovely facility, literally one block from the oil, which, is, uh, which was uh, established and is managed by my dear friend Rabbi Alcona Schmutkin from GEM. And I've used this facility half a dozen times at least to do events over here. And it's an incredible venue for this type of thing, for learning, for people visiting the oil, for, uh, for simchas that take place nearby the oil and I encourage everybody to look into and avail themselves of this resource it's a really unique resource at any rate, facing the sun means to check in with the Rebbe's Torah on a regular basis to make sure our thinking is calibrated in a way that's aligned with the Rebbe's worldview it also means to show up when you've got something to share that's heavy on your heart or when you have good news, even better this is the address, this is the place to come. And then that, that, that way you keep your little droplet of water facing toward the sun, and then you become a reflection of the sun. And like the Rebbe said so many times, Shliach Shal Adam, Kamaisai, Mamish. The Rebbe wanted that every man, woman, and child should be like him. I feel very bad for those people who misunderstand the Rebbe-Chassid relationship as something akin to hero worship. The Rebbe didn't want that we should look at him, to objectify him. The Rebbe wanted us to represent him. That's what the dollars were. Everyone who came by for dollars. What was the purpose of the dollar? I know it's also a, me- a memento and a keepsake. But the, the, the point of the dollar, the way that Rebbe said it, was to make you a shliach shal mitzvah. Immediately when he's giving you the dollar, he's giving you a job. He's deputizing you and charging you with a duty. And it's not just enough to do the Rebbe's work. The Rebbe spent thousands of hours of his holy time teaching us how to think according to his worldview. There's the head, the innards, and the feet. They all have to be aligned to our Rebbe. And and when they are, then the Choset becomes an intact and complete and wholesome reflection of the greatness of the tzaddik. And that's why I truly believe today is not just the Rebbe's birthday. Today is our birthday. What's a birthday? A birthday is the day that we check in again with our mission. So if the Rebbe's holy soul came to this world for a mission that is connected to all of our missions because the Rebbe didn't come for himself, the Rebbe came for the generation. So this isn't just the Rebbe's personal birthday, this is collectively all of our birthdays. It's a day for all of us to recalibrate and to check back in with our mission and our purpose. And uh, It's enough already of concealing and downplaying our own greatness. We need to show the world what we're capable of. Okay, let's learn tonight's letter, the 30th letter. Where is it? At the beginning of the. Okay. Everyone's ready? Okay. Borgeshem HaShem Chof Tes Tov Vav Brooklyn. This letter is from Chof Tes Getting closer to, to, now, to the date right now. And in fact, that I was going to mention Pesach in the letter. <laughs> who is this Mordechai? This is Mordechai Segel, who lived in Paris. And the Rebbe is going to speak to him about his activities in Paris. Specifically in connection with Beis Rivka in Paris. Or actually not in Paris, but where is it? Where is the Beis Rivka? The... Well, how do you say it? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Okay. That's the best I'm g- going to be able to muster. That's about as close as I'll be able to get. Okay. Ich <sighs> bin gewendet zufrieden. This is in Yiddish. I was happy to bacumen a yedia wegen eich to hear about you. Dor garave goset isrele kim nicht mit vanile isik bezorche zuber Moreno Rav Yosef Yehudah I got regards from you and a report about you from the Chossid Yesef Yehuda Chein. That's the son of Meir Simcha Hain from uh, I believe from Neville, an old-time Chabad family. And he was also in Paris. So this Reb Mordechai Segel had crossed paths with uh, Reb Yesef Yehuda Chein there in Paris schreibt mir Euch wegen aktiven in zu He wrote to me and he told me about your participation in preparing the Purim event. Remember the, the letter here is written. So we're talking about two weeks after Purim. So it must have been sometime after Purim. Rabbi Cheyne wrote to the Rebbe and reported that Rabbi Segal had helped out. How did he help out? I'm not sure. <laughs> and this particular Purim event was put on by the students of Beis Rivka in yeah. <laughs> um, I'll just tell you a little bit of the history there. Beis Rivka in general, the network of Beis Rivka was started by the Firik Rebbe in Tovshin Base. And this particular branch of Beis Rivka was started in Tovshin Zion, 1947. I'm sure many people know that the Rebbe lived in Paris. We have one of the students here? Oh, right here. From here. So you can verify if all this is uh, accurate. So uh, when the Rebbe Rebbe had lived in Paris, but then after the Rebbe came to America, he went back to France after the war to bring back his mother, Rebbe Tzanchana, that was in 1947. So during that trip, when the Rebbe was in Paris, the Rebbe got a few things done, and one of them was founding a new base rifka there in France. So that's the school. This is the, the, this is the school that Rebbe himself founded when he was in Paris to get his mother and to bring her back to New York. Now, if it's true that in all places and all times it's a mitzvah to publicize those who do a mitzvah. Does that sound familiar, by the way? When did you hear it? Last night, that's right. I mentioned it last night. The Rebbe didn't say it last night in the letter to... Do you remember who the letter was to last night? Kramer, Kramer very good. Very good. All right. Give her an extra raffle ticket. Did they do the drawing yet? for the? Yeah, yeah somebody won? Yeah. The set of egress? I don't know. Do they know on YouTube that somebody won a set of igris? Yeah? It was a whole set, right? I said a whole set, so I'm hoping I didn't overpromise over here. Okay. Um, yeah, so that Rebbe mentioned last night to uh, Chazak Kramer that it's a good thing that he's being honored for his work because when you honor people for their work, it encourages other people to also want to do that kind of work. So the Rebbe says here clearly, and I, I okay, now you want to really impress me? Mm-hmm. Mitzvah of mitzvah. Who said that originally? Anyone remember? Yeah. Who? Rashba. Very good. You knew it. it was on the tip of your tongue. That's right. So, the Rebbe says it here. In all times and places, it was, a, it was a good thing to publicize those who are doing good work. And also, a parallel concept. And we've had this before. Do you remember, by the way, which letter? Now you've got to remember. Uh, was it, it wasn't the first letter. Where did the Rebbe speak about Kinnosoph from Tarbuchochma? Do you remember the letter? What if I tell you it was the letter of the night going into Purim? Do you remember? To Rabbi Shusterman from Chicago. And the Rebbe said it's good to use a little Kinnosoph from Tar a little competition among the Children, yeah, the kids, the youth. So the Rebbe mentions that again, that it is a good thing to spotlight people who are doing good things, and it's a good thing to cause a little healthy competition about good things. And that was always true, in all times, in all places. Al-Achas Kama in Der in our orphaned generation. So some people might think, if we're an orphaned generation, you know, maybe we're too weak. Maybe we can't handle competition. Maybe we can't handle, uh, you know, racing with other people. But actually, the ever says the opposite. Because we need more motivation, so we got to use any tool at our disposal. And uh, there's absolutely no problem of, you know, getting the parlor meeting of the rich guys, and you get one guy to stand up. And say he's going to give uh, $10,000 and all the other rich guys want to compete with him because they don't want to be shown up. It becomes like an ego thing. At least with men it works. And then you tell the first guy, really he didn't even have to pay. And it was just like, okay, no, I'm joking. No, they all. <laughs> but is a good thing psychologically. It works. That's human nature. It was always a good thing. And especially in our generation where we need to muster up more motivation for people to do good things, it's a, it's a good tool to use. Okay, so the Rebbe says that actually clearly He says, "As medarf on nemen we have to use all the means, all of the methods, to verstarken and verspreiten Yiddishkeit Bruch Israel Sava, any method that we have to spread, to strengthen and spread real, authentic Judaism. Und was more, breitere Kreisen und speziell zu eis nutzen auf dem." So we have to spread Yiddishkeit and strengthen Yiddishkeit in more and more communities, more segments of Klal Yisrael, and especially, says the Rebbe, to use out the special times. What are the special times? The is going to say one moment here. Was denstmol is Yedr Zach, for power, and uh, especially on Shabbos and Yom Tif and those days where... The observance of those special days is really connected to the home, so it's an important idea here. What the Rebbe is saying that comes to a Shabbos or a Yom I know Pesach is coming. By the way, did you guys realize Pesach is coming? <laughs> the only reason I'm not bothered by the door is because I know everyone who walks out the door is going to clean. So, <laughs> I'm like, okay, let them clean. You're lost. You want to go clean? Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I heard, where was it that they raffled off anyone who would come learn the letters, they raffled off some cleaning help? Where was it? Pittsburgh. What town? Pittsburgh. Okay, kudos to Pittsburgh. They raffled off cleaning. How much cleaning help was it? Two hours? Okay, that's pretty good. All right. <laughs> You'll take it, yeah. Okay, so Pesach's coming. And Pesach is a, is a yom tif. It's a special time, and it's an opportunity for you to make a big impression on your kids. You know what kind of impression I'm talking about. To scream at them and traumatize them and tell them, why did you get the matzo crumbs in the, in the water glass? No, I mean to make a special impression on them. Any positive emotional association that they can have with Yiddishkeit on a regular day, that I is saying it's even more enhanced on a special day. So we've got to use it. We've got to cash it in. Okay, and I'm sure everyone here would have anyway but it's nice that when you do it you can think oh i'm doing something that i ever said to do and then you'll feel more connected when you're doing it which you would have done anyway okay um befragt noch in the last dern was <laughs> auf jedern von uns schades hat pleter ist ufcollect echt die arbeit was bis jetzt flugeton werden durch die welge seinen nergo al Hashem. Especially in this time, the Rebbe is writing in 1955, right after the Holocaust. And by the way, in that first class of Bey in France, predominantly those families were families of Holocaust survivors. So the Rebbe is writing and saying, especially in our generation, where we have to make up for all the good that would have been done by those who were. Martyred. And that is still true, by the way. How many more Jews would there be today? It's not just six million. It's in a generation. How many, you know how quickly a, a family can grow. So it wasn't just those lives. It was their children and by now their grandchildren. And so those of us who are here, we have to do double and triple and quadruple work. And especially, even more so, even more so what we just said, but now even more so when we are talking about children. Children. That we have a responsibility. When it comes to children, we have to really double and redouble all of our efforts. Was es is a durchaus as men muss reingeben in die Starkkeit, so gegenstellen sich die alle nicht gewünschte Winden, wel blossen von der Gas und willen. We have to give them the strength to stand up to the not-good winds, the influences, which are blowing in the street and trying to make their way into the homes of Jewish children. The Rebbe was speaking about, in 1955, about the unwholesome influences which are blowing in the street, so to speak, and making their way inside of the homes of Jewish children. If that was true in 1955, think about in 2022. And what does the Rebbe say? We have to strengthen our children. We have to strengthen them. That They should be impervious to those influences. und speziell grace die sakona von the shortest now that Eva speaks about a particular clipper the shortest the compromise winds the winds of compromise the winds of take it easy why do you have to be so intense all the time wase as es macht nit as men is nit a You don't have to be such a zealot. Why do you have to be such a zealot? Why do you have to be overboard? There's a story that uh, Hillel Paracher wanted the Siddur Imdach. He wanted the Siddur that had Chesidus, Pirushim of Chesidus in it. So the way that book worked is in the middle of the book, in the middle column, you had the actual nusachat tefillah, the words that you daven with. And then in the margins on the sides, there was the commentary of Hasidus explaining the deeper mystical meaning of, of the words of Tfila. So printing was very expensive, and therefore books printed books were very rare. And not, ev- not everyone could get their hands on this book. And he found out, that there was an old lady in town who had a copy of this book. Some, uh, some old bubby was davening from this book. It was her, her little sither that she loved, and it was very well used and broken in. So he went to her with a brand new sither, and he said to her, let's trade. I'll take your old tattered sither, and I'm going to give you a brand new sither, And she said, no way. I'm not going to give it up. And he said, well, why not? The siddur I'm going to give you is perfect for you because it just has davening on it. It's just a regular siddur with no other words. Not like the siddur that you're using right now where it's got the words of davening, but all around it has the words of chesidus, which you don't need that. That's a distraction. It's just a bunch of busy stuff on the page. I mean, she was a simple woman. She didn't. She couldn't learn the chassidus on the page. That was true. He wasn't making a wrong assumption. She couldn't learn the chassidic explanations that were on the page. So he said, I'm going to give you a more efficient siddur for your use. It just has the words of tefillah on the page and no chassidus around it. And uh, he says, look, look at your siddur. It's all worn out. All the edges of the pages are rubbed off. And this brand new siddur, it's crisp and clean, and it's got complete pages. She said, yes, and that's exactly why I won't give you my siddur." She said, because your siddur has the words of tefillah all the way to the edges. And when that one will rub out, I'll lose the words of davening. But the siddur I have right now has siddhas around the davening. So even when the edges wear away, I'll always have the davening there preserved in the middle. So what's the vart? (laughs) That... (laughs) Sometimes you say, come on, we don't have to be so extreme, we don't have to do extra, you don't have to be so extra, right? And the thing is, yeah, that's technically true if you live in a vacuum and you're not exposed to any influences and there's no such thing as inertia or slowing down or being distracted. Then I guess you can, if you really want, you could walk right to the edge of the subway, and wait for the car to come by. And it'll be, you know, you don't, what do I need to pay attention to the yellow line? I'll walk right to the edge. <sighs> Sometimes you need to have an, a little extra buffer, even if it seems extreme to others. But that's how you preserve the stuff that are really, really non-negotiable. But if you only preserve what's non-negotiable and you forget about the rest, then even the non-negotiable stuff becomes jeopardized. And that's what the Rebbe says clearly right here. Let's look back inside. So he speaks about the pshoravint. Where are we up to? Yeah. Vimen a amolake zaitin. Oh yeah, so the taina is, you don't have to be so zealous like we used to be in the old days. And then what happens in a kurzer Zeit a room as as men is First he comes and says you don't have to be such a zealot. But then after you budge and you compromise on that, he says, You don't have to be so religious either, meaning even the regular stuff. And sof call sof nit vu zich. Pretty soon, you get to a point where you don't know how to stop. Your standards start eroding, and you get to a point where it's spiraling out of control, God forbid. So that Rebbe says, when we educate the children, we have to educate them that we don't make compromises. Yeah, we have to do things that are a little bit crazy from time to time. Yeah, that's part of our life. Yeah, we do take precautions and we do go the extra mile. And yeah, that's part of being a chassid. Now, I should note, it's okay to tell your children what's extra. You don't have to lie to them and tell them that, it, that it's shuras hadin, that it's halacha. You can tell them it's extra. But you should also tell them that as chassidim, we are mehadir. And we are machmer. And we do do more, and we are more meticulous, and we are more stringent, and we don't compromise. Undereber is a Chinuch. Listen to this. That Rebbe just said it's so important that the children are strengthened in a way that makes them resistant to the negative influences out there in the street, and especially the influences that tell them to chill and to take it easy and to compromise. And therefore, what's the antidote? What's the answer to that? A l'bavachachinuch. That's what the Rebbe says. Maybe it'll tell us something about what a l'bavachachinuch is. I think you could extrapolate from there what the Rebbe is saying. What's a I mean You're learning the same chumash. You're learning the same rashi. What's, what's unique about it? What's unique is it's a chinoch that strengthens children to be able to resist these influences, especially the influences that are insidious in, in the way they slowly erode our standards through compromise. Okay. Undereber is a chinoch, was dem mit dem over. It's very poetic, I think. The Labavitcher connects the generation, this generation, with the past. Unerklertze. I mean, it's an interesting answer to people who like to say, we're more modern chassidim. Okay, I, I don't know if the Rebbe would agree with that description, right? A Labavitcher is one that connects this generation to the past, and it explains to the children, do you know who you are? You are the children of the Ovis and the Imahis. That's what it means to connect the present generation to the past. Not just that they should learn about who the greats of the past were, but they should understand that that informs their identity today. In other words, don't just tell them there was someone called Avram, there was someone called Sarah. Tell the kid, you know who you are? You are the child of Avram and Sarah. That's what it means to connect the present to the past. I think sometimes we do one without the other, the other without the one. You have to have both. You have to have both. And that means when you talk about the Aves and the Emois, you remind the child what it has to do with them. This is you. This is your DNA. And you are connected in an unbroken golden chain to these greats. (sighs) And therefore the children, the descendants of the Oves and Emois must follow in that path. The is uns in unser teure, Chaim, as it is stated to us in our Torah, which the Rebbe calls Toiras Chaim. It, not just a living Torah, but a Torah of life. And we've spoken about that before. That in the Rebbe's worldview, there's no conflict between practicality and spirituality. The same Abishter who gave us Torah and its mitzvahs created this world. And the physical world cannot be in contradiction to the will of the giver of the Torah. And to the contrary, one only complements the other, that when we do Hashem's will, we're also more successful in this world. So that's what it means, that's what it means, a Torah of life. That is the only way that we can ensure that we will propagate a good, upstanding, blessed generation. We have to tell them who they are and how they are connected to, to the past. How they are a continuation of the past. Now the Rebbe is speaking to, back to the letter writer, Reb Mordechai, Rebbe Segel, and saying to him, again, I don't know what help he gave to Beis Rifka, but apparently, he was involved. Maybe he sponsored it. Maybe he set up the chairs. I have no idea what he did. But the Rebbe says the merit of anyone who helps out with that. Each person helps in his own way. Like I said, I don't know if he paid for it, he set up the chairs, but everyone helps. In his way, meaning using your special talents and opportunities and resources. Or that Rebbe says, meaning whatever possibilities you have to look. Some people have different opportunities, different connections, different resources, whatever it might be. But everyone has to figure out what they bring to the table and can offer to help in this area of educating the next generation in the way that was just described. And so this merit, that Rebbe says, means, and them erbedarf mit sein familia This merit will stand you in good stead to have everything that you need. You and your family, may they be well. Lechag, Hapesach, with a blessing for a kosher and happy Passover. And here the signature, it was signed by the Secretariat. And that is our 30th letter. And I will not tell you what I told the Rebbe when I was in the oil a few hours ago, but it had something to do with the continuation of this course. Okay, Mazel Tov again.